This is Kevin Conroy, the Batman, and you're listening to Nerd On. Nerd On. Awesome. So... Uh, yeah, welcome everyone. We have um, a pretty exciting, exciting day today. Very exciting. Very uh, exciting. Before we get started, Josh, do the honors. This episode is brought to you in part by our Patreon. It allows us to do so much. If you'd like to find out more information about that or the show itself, hit up www.nerdonthepodcast.com. Everything is there. Mm-hmm. I'm Josh, one of the hosts, if you're new to the show. And my name is Tom. I am the comic book nerd and fiend of the show. I'm Corey. I'm the loud one. <laughs> uh, Ali, uh, resident, uh, resident deep sexy voice. Although I think <laughs> you've been out sexy. I've been out sexy episode. this episode. Yeah, absolutely. You have thrilled. definitely been <laughs> out sexy. I'm By sorry, our illustrious guest. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> if people at home have not guessed, our guest is Kevin Conroy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that Kevin Conroy. That yes, the, before the you Kevin ask Conroy. that Kev- Kevin Conroy. Yes, that Kevin Conroy. Um, the Batman. This will be the second Batman that we've had on our show. <laughs> it <is. laughs> yeah. Um, very very excited. Who's the other one? Uh, Reno Romano was on our show. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Yeah, but this is the voice of a generation. It, it really is from 1992, correct? Yeah. yeah. Voice of my childhood. Yeah, we started yeah. recording. It went on the air in '93, but we started recording them in '92. Ooh, look at wow. you, Josh. Um, and before we get started, thank you, Kevin, for taking time out of your yeah, day seriously. to be on the show. Sure. I know all of our audiences yeah. love you too. So. I don't know. That Kevin Conroy, you know, <laughs> so associated with the character. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could tell you. We could all sit here and talk about it for hours. But how does that happen? You start out just acting and suddenly <laughs> stumble into a role and it's 27 years later and you're identified with it. You think, well, this isn't what I was planning when I was at Juilliard. You know? <laughs> Life is weird that way. Life is a you funny know? thing. You were yeah. planning to be an actor. Like an, an actor, yes. An actor of the theater. Not that he's not an actor. No, I mean, but yes, but like stage. that kind of fancy schmancy yeah. Shakespeare and everything. Fancy actors well, that make no money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's guess, something very Shakespearean about Batman. Yeah, there is. There really is. There absolutely is, which is why I got the job. I think it was a, it was, a, it was a strange thing. People always ask me, you know, how do you get into the voiceover business? And I say, well, not the way I did. You know, so I can't give you any advice because I stumbled into it. I was a stage actor and then, you know, trained at Juilliard, classic work. And uh, Mm -hmm. um, I was in L.A. doing a a pilot for a series uh, in 92. I had done a lot of commercial voiceovers in New York because that's how theater actors uh, supplement their income in New York. A lot of them do voiceover work. Uh, but in New York, it's all commercial work. So I had a voiceover agent, and he uh, I was in L.A., and he said, look, they're, they're putting together a new show at Warner Brothers, uh, Batman. Why don't you go over and give it a shot? And I said, new show? Batman's been around forever. And he <laughs> said, no, it's never, it's never actually been an animated series. So I was so naive to the genre and to the character. I didn't even know it had never been an animated show. Um, my only exposure to it had been the Adam West show you know, right. growing up sixties. So, but the reason I think I got it was because I was so naive. 
I had no expectations. I had no preconceptions. I went into that audition like a completely clean slate. I met Bruce Tim and Andrea Romano mm. and Paul B. Wow. I mean, I was reading, you know, the A team <laughs> animation. Yeah. And I didn't even know who they were. So I couldn't get intimidated. You know, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get nervous because You just didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't even know anime. I didn't know Batman had never been animated before. I didn't know anything about it. And they said, well, what is your background in this? I said, well, I know the Adam West show. And they said, no, no. <laughs> we all love Adam. And we love that show, but that's not what we're doing. And so Bruce Tim had to, like, explain the whole thing to me. He said, yeah. no, he's, he's, we're going dark. It's going to be very noir. It's think of uh, 40s movies from Hollywood. And uh, he's a, he was, a, as a child, he witnessed his parents' brutal murder in front of him. And it, it scarred him for life. And he's been... Uh, spent his life uh, suffering from that tragedy, never having overcome it. And and the way he dealt with the pain was to internalize it and cre create this vigilante hero out of that pain to try and cure the world. Um, I said, wow, this is, this is a very classic kind of epic character you're describing. This is a this is a like um, an Orestes, or this is a this is a Hamlet. Oh yeah, and because that's how I was putting it in perspective to what I had played. You know, that's what, what you I were had, filtering it through. Mm -hmm. That's how I was filtering it through that. And 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 Bruce said, "Well, no one's approached it from that before." So <laughs> I said, "Well, let me just use my imagination. Let me just put myself into the head of that character, and let me see what happens." And and I just put myself into the darkest, the darkest. Oh man most painful place I could go. And this voice came out of me, which I'd never used before. <laughs> if you could see the smiles in <laughs> this room right now. <laughs> it was totally spontaneous. It was totally an actor improvising yeah. in audition situation. I had no idea what I was going to do when I went in there. So that's just not the way it happens. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. Um, usually people do, you know, weeks of preparation and homework and planning and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. This was winging it. And I just, it was, it was a really, it was, it was fate. Yeah. I was, someone, yeah. I was someone who trained in Shakespeare and the classics. I happened to be in LA. It was the first animated thing I went in on. I just improvised on the spot and it was just the right actor for the right role. At the right because time. Yeah. It's seen over 500 people. Wow. And they were desperate. They they were getting close to going into production, and they still hadn't found their Batman. And okay. uh, so, I had no idea that they had tried out so many people. Yeah, yeah, they'd been looking for months. Well, lightning struck. And yeah, I mean, right. It's like, thank God. I, you know, I'd love to be able to take credit for having schemed up this wonderful <laughs> audition. But I, mean, I meant total, to do that. <laughs> it was a it was a lightning strike. You know, it was one of those one in a million things. Um, that just, I was so lucky to get, just so lucky to get. And, and people, uh, born in that time range are also lucky to have as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No, the whole experience, I tell you, the whole experience has been very humbling. Um, oh, man. because the show took off to the point where Andrea said she could get anyone she wanted to come in on guest spots. I mean, 
you know, Roddy McDowell and yeah. Ron Perlman and Adrian Barbeau. And, I mean, everybody, everybody was coming in on this thing. Um, um, Mark Hamill, wow. I mean, as the Joker, I mean, it oh, was man. crazy. And the chemistry you, you two have is, is, is crazy good. It is. He also was a theater actor. Oh yeah. Originally. So we had a lot in common. We actually knew a lot of people uh, in common, but we had never met. And, um, he's a very generous guy. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, there actors are people. There are selfish ones, generous ones, mean ones, kind ones, you know, they're talented ones, talented ones, ones who are really awful. Yeah. <laughs> but Mark is just a really generous actor. And see, I've always found that the more you give, the more you get. Mm-hmm. And it's especially true on stage. The more you give to the other actor, the more they're going to give back to you. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you more to react to. And, and the more you give them, the better they'll make you act. Yeah, it's a relationship. But a lot of actors don't act that way. A lot of actors are very selfish on stage. Yeah. And um, it can be very frustrating. Mark is just in, instinctively has the same approach to the business I do. He uh-huh. is generous. He loves, I love to watch him watch me. Because he gets such a kick out of it when I'm good, and he like makes me so proud. Because you know, it's like, it, it, you just you. Just, I want to be good for him, and yeah. um, and and I can tell that he loves working with me. We 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 really bring out the best in each other. And That's I incredible. and also the two characters, Batman would not be Batman without Joker, no. and Joker would not be Joker without Batman. We're sort of the yin and yang. Oh yeah. Each our characters, you know, his darkness defines my light in that sense. I, I definitely think we define each other. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. kind of cool because you don't hear a lot in the voiceover world that people get to interact with each other very often or, or you know, even get to go to the same sessions as each other. So it's kind of cool to hear that you Isn't guys Isn't that true? Yeah. That's so true, especially at Disney and some of the other studios. They like to record people separately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's for a technical reason. Um, First of all, everyone has such crazy schedules. It's hard to get people in a room together. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So it's easier to it's easier to book people individually. But also, if you have a completely clean tape, um, audio wise, it's much easier in post production to edit, and yeah. they have much oh, yeah. more right. control over. Yeah. So they get much cleaner takes when everyone's recording separately. So I know Disney likes to record people separately, mm-hmm. but Warner really tries to get everyone in the booth together. And especially Andrea, she basically insists on it. So the bookings were always like radio plays. We oh, were all cool. in the rooms together. So, oh, you know, over awesome. all these years, I've worked with amazing actors in these recordings. It's very unusual that we record separately, like uh, the killing joke, the most recent movie I did with Mark, that unfortunately we had to record separately because he has had this new Star Wars rebirth in his career, and he was in London um, shooting at the time. Mm-hmm. So we did record Killing Joke separately, but that was oh. very unusual. Oh. Um, he knew what he would do, and he knew what I would do. So we we were. It was as if the other person was in the room. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, when you have a relationship for that long, I'm sure it's easy to predict a little yeah. bit to yeah. to to a, to a point. Um, and we, uh, Tom and I went and saw that at the Chinese theater, and we we were blown away by that. That was so much fun. Wasn't he incredible? Oh, that it was great. That show number too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. But you guys, you guys, uh, I mean, honestly, some of my favorite actors together. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
Well, being in that room together, I'm, I'm kind of curious, is there a point in time where you felt that, okay, now this is something magical, this is something that is going to be important to a lot of people? Or was that was it always there from the beginning that you kind of had that, that instinct that this is going to be a show that people something remember? Something special, yeah. You know what the no, you know at the very beginning because it was all so new to me. Um, I was, you know how sometimes you 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 get a job and you keep waiting for them to realize that you sh- shouldn't have been hired. You know? <laughs> I'm still waiting for that moment. <laughs> yeah, you keep waiting for someone to tap you on the back and say, "Excuse me, we made a mistake." <laughs> we didn't mean you. We meant the other guy. Wow. I kept expecting that to happen the first few weeks because it was all new to me i kept thinking well this you know this might well not last more than a few episodes um so every time someone new came in like meeting mark or meeting adrian or meeting uh uh irene uh, eileen sorkin who was the first um uh, harley harley quinn Mm, yeah Mm -hmm. it was all so new and and also i was new to the, the the voiceover world um and a lot of these people had relationships um, and I didn't, I was the new kid, uh, at this all. And, um, what's this guy doing here? Yeah, exactly. How did he get the big role, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't really till after it started playing for a while that I really thought this was going to take off because it was all kind of new to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I started running into people who were seeing the show and, um, I realized, wow, this, this is, this is developing a following. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was very slow to realize how powerful it was going to be. And I didn't, you know, also because before the internet, no one ever recognized people. Who <laughs> it was a totally anonymous gig. So no one knew that I was doing this. And, um, I, once I, when I started getting recognized for it, that really blew me away. It still yeah. shocks me. And, you know, I live in New York and I get, in the subway all the time, people will go, oh, my God, you're, you're Batman. And I'll think, how do you know that? Nobody <laughs> knows who's Batman. So they'll say, oh, would you do the voice? And, you know, in a subway car, it's insane to do, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. And you're in a subway car, and it's, like, echoing. And all these other people look at you like, who is the crazy <laughs> screaming that he's Batman. Another crazy person in New York. Well, there, didn't was, like... there was that story, I, I think, I, I believe I heard you told a while back where you were working in some soup kitchen and someone oh, didn't yeah, believe you were Batman. <laughs> that was funny. You didn't like casually throw it in. It's like, hi, I'm Kevin Conroy and I'm Batman. <laughs> no, it, but one of the other workers recognized me and and he said, oh, he, he said, my day job is, because it was a nighttime uh, a group soup kitchen mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. It was it was after an event in New York when people were volunteering, and um, he and he said, uh, well, "You're you're you you do some kind of acting? You do special kind of acting?" I said, "Well, yeah, my name's Kevin Conroy." He said, "Oh my God, I knew that was you. You're the guy who's Batman." <laughs> <laughs> he said, How do you know that? He said, "Everybody knows who's Batman." I said, uh-huh. "No, believe me, everyone does not know." Who's I Batman. don't even know I'm Batman. For <laughs> 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 me, how have you heard of me? <laughs> And he said, "Oh God, you got to, you got to, you know, convince the guys in the dining room that it's you." And uh, awesome. he went out. He went out and he said, "Hey, everybody, Batman's been cooking your dinners." And we oh, hear, "Man, bullshit!" Someone, because <laughs> it was a bunch of firemen and policemen, and so it was all relief workers. 
And, and then someone else said, make him prove it. <laughs> so I thought, this is great. So back from the kitchen, I did the, I did that voice. I, did, I am vengeance. I am the night. I am And then there was this long pause and you hear, holy shit. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I'm sort of still shocked when people recognize, recognize me. I was just in Dublin for the Dublin Comic-Con and got stopped on the street. And people said, what's Batman doing in Dublin? I said, how do you know? <laughs> this one guy goes, oh, you're kidding? You're the Irish Batman. We all love the Irish Batman. <laughs> Irish Batman. That's amazing. Um, awesome. So why do you think Batman as a character has been able to identify with so many people? You know, it's really interesting. The reason I love going to Comic-Cons is because I get to interact with the audience. Mm -hmm. And my... You know, my first love was the theater and in the theater, you really interact with the audience. You know, you you experience live theater, you experience the creative process with the audience. And and in recordings, you don't you don't get any of that. So I love to go out and interact and hear the stories from people um, of what the characters meant to them. And it's amazing how emotional people get. I've had people start crying. When wow. they just say, please, I, I've always just wanted to hold you. Can you, can I hold you? And I'll, and I'll hug somebody and they'll just start crying. And I wow. say, I want to hug you right now. We were, we, were, <laughs> we were all actually crying before we started recording. The <laughs> no, I'll say, well, well, you know, no, it's okay. It's okay. And, and the person will say, no, you didn't understand. I had a horrible childhood. I had a really horrible childhood. And you were my safe zone. You were the yeah. voice. Mm -hmm. of my safe place and you were there every afternoon and you realize that when you're the voice of an animated character much more so than when you're a live action character you go inside people's imaginations yeah. do you know what i mean oh yeah mm -hmm. you go to a very personal place with them and you live in their imagination with that animated character and you're the voice they associate with it Mm -hmm. So you go to a very personal place with people. So the audience for Batman is a really passionate. They're, they're, I, I just can't say enough about them. They're wonderful people. Mm -hmm. He's touched them. The character touches them so deeply. His nobility his the fact that he comes from a dark place and he overcomes it without any superpowers. And he goes to such nobility, rather than letting life destroy him, he conquers his own pain. He conquers the darkness of life and he makes something light of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's so ennobling that people just admire him so much, the character, he's, because he's so flawed. But he doesn't let his flaws destroy him. Mm -hmm. So really relate to that. He embraces well, yeah, he, them. Well, yeah, he embraces them. He stands up against I, them. I think specifically your iteration like championed that a lot. You know, oh, yeah. I think a lot of people have taken a lot of like liberties. You know, having their own spins on it. But think like uh, most yeah. people now, like they could think Adam West, but a lot of people they hear you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they they remember what the lessons that this show that Bruce Tim and you and Andre Romano like made together. Well, I like I like how he phrased it. He said that um, you know, especially voice acting is a way for you to get into someone's imagination or deeper into that you know safe place. And I think that's very true. I mean, if you think about uh, you know, Kevin, you've played Batman for so long. There's been different 
looks, different iterations. You know, have the video Batman game. Beyond Arkham yeah. series. Right. But that voice is is the the string, the through line through all of that that makes us all go, oh yeah, that's Batman. Uh, yeah. No matter what he looks like. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> You know, I thought you I could really put him in a tutu and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's Batman." Yeah, that's <laughs> how amazing it's been to play this character because there are so many levels to him. Mm-hmm. There are so many corners in his darkness. Um, people ask me often, "What other, you know, what other characters do you want to play?" And I say, "Well, I kind of got the brass ring." You know, I, yeah. I <laughs> who else is there? You know, there. None of the others come even close in terms of interest. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, maybe Joker. I mean, he's so, so wacky. Yeah, but, I would uh, listen to Kevin play Joker. <laughs> like an episode where him and Mark flip. Well, out. actually, I'm doing a new character on a Nickelodeon series that I'm not allowed to say what it is because it hasn't been announced yet. But he's a Joker-ish character. Oh my oh, god! Wow. And it's it's a blast doing it. I love doing it, but it hasn't been announced yet. So. Well, we oh, will definitely no keep an eye and an ear out for that. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah, definitely. You talked a little bit about Adam West and how that was your main like understanding of Batman before it. So now after you, there's been so many more different iterations and versions. Uh, who, who has been your favorite Batman other than you? Cause I mean, most of the time everyone's like, Oh, you have the bail and the key. And for me, it's, like, it's Conroy. I mean, like they could look like whoever, <laughs> but as long as it sounds like Conroy, I'm totally okay with the casting. That's cool. Um, well, my, you know, actors always have little tools they use to approach characters. Mm-hmm. My approach to playing the role was that Batman isn't the performance. Bruce Wayne is the performance. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Batman is who he is. And Bruce Wayne, he puts on the suit. He puts on the face. He can face the world with the armor of that suit. Mm-hmm. But, and, and if you approach it that way, then the, the persona of Batman, the voice of Batman, it sounds very grounded. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. sounds very real. Mm-hmm. Cause he doesn't have to try hard. Yeah. That's who he is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the actors who get that are the ones that I really think get Batman. And, I, I guess the closest so far has been um, um, Ben Affleck in terms of getting both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a great answer. But, you know, Christian Bale is the personification of Bruce Wayne. He's a perfect Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know if he got the, the Batman side of the coin, the, 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 I think, I, I think see, that, 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 that is absolutely one we've, of the we've, we've uh, one of the topics before. out there, <laughs> and, and especially in this room, trying to figure out like I've who is I'd the perfect see, combination. I'd yeah. always said I've always wanted to see the Bale's Wayne with Affleck's Batman. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that would be that would be perfect. Uh, one thing one thing I really loved was in uh in Batman Beyond. Um, there's that one villain that's like taunting uh Bruce Wayne. And it's called him Bruce and Bruce, and it le- leads to believe that like Bruce is going crazy. But then the part that you know you say mm-hmm. is like, I don't want to dress myself as Bruce. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, what do you call yourself then? And then it's just a smile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that that to me again is the iteration, the the psychology, the credo of what Batman slash Bruce Wayne is. Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Oh man, that was. So I love cool. that. I had never heard anyone say that before, so I kind of found that. Yeah, yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, we got that from you. <laughs> we stole that. It's okay. That's from 20 years of watching it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a, a similar, I guess, kind of flipping that question a little bit. Have, uh, 
has there been, of course, you know, you've been doing Batman so for so long and you continue to do so. And, and at the same time, you see all these other Batmans kind of doing their thing. Uh, is there, is there at any point where, um, either they've influenced your work as Batman or you've, or do you feel like you've maybe influenced their work as Batman? Uh, no, I don't. Or do you just have it? You just have it. You have a damn pat. I don't think I've influenced anyone to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Wow. Uh, wow. Except all of us in the room. All of us in the room. I mean, I'm wearing a Batman shirt right now. I don't know if I was supposed to tell you that. I'm wearing the cowl, so I mean, and the cape. So yeah, but you do that all the time. Oh, shh! Don't tell him. <laughs> I'm a little curious because I, I kind of want to get a little bit of personal information about about Kevin Conroy. What was what was life like before Batman? Like you mentioned Juilliard. You mentioned acting. Like when was when were you bit by the bug? I. Really, a weird kid, and um, I was a strange kid, and I spent a lot of time alone. And um, I got, uh, I got involved in theater in junior high school um, because I was, I was so having such a hard time adjusting. This teacher who ran this theater program in this junior high school realized that there was, I was having real problems adjusting, and she suggested that I audition for the school play. I think just to get me involved. And I auditioned for the play and I got the lead and I fell in love with being on stage. As soon as I was on stage, rather than getting nervous, I felt really at home. I felt so comfortable. Whereas off stage, I felt so uncomfortable. I was, I was a kid who was uncomfortable in his own skin. Mm. And, um, and I found comfort actually on the stage. And I was only about like, 13 or 14 when this happened. Mm -hmm. So um, my parents divorced when I was about 15. And um, I left high school when I was around 17, a little early, graduated early, because um, the house was being sold, everyone was leaving. And I needed to get a scholarship to go to school because there wasn't any other way for me to go to post high school school. So I auditioned for Juilliard. And they gave me a full scholarship. Oh, so it all, it all, it all kind of happened very much. I mean, it's almost as if there's been some hand guiding me for a long time. When I was a, a really strange kid, this teacher came out of nowhere and introduced me to the theater. And then just as my family was dissolving around me and there was no way to go to college, I was able to use that theater interest to get a scholarship to go to Juilliard. And then I was in New York and I was waiting tables and who was my roommate, but Robin Williams. Whoa. I mean, you know what I mean? And my classmate was Kelsey Grammer. I mean, in wow. Juilliard, the acting company, and I was playing the leads in the plays. I was doing, you know, Edgar in King Lear for, jo for John Hausman, to, you know, in a wow. he was singing. Um, and then I went from that into Death Trap on Broadway and did the national tour for a year. So, I mean, it's it's just one of those odd stories of um, the kid who was kind of struggling, finding his way. It's like that John Lennon song, you know, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I didn't know where life was bringing me, but... It, I was on my own since I was about 17 and I've been supporting myself. And amazingly, I've been able to do it either through scholarships or odd jobs or 
by the time I was 21, I've been supporting myself as an actor, um, which is pretty amazing in this business. I mean, um, so I'm, yeah. I'm, it was, it was an odd beginning to a career. I was, I didn't even know, to be honest, how um, many risks I was taking. I mean, moving into New York at 17, when I look at 17 year olds, I, now I think, this is, looks, it looks like such a child to me. <laughs> I can't believe I was that old. And I moved into New York and got my first apartment. Oh I was living God. on my own. I mean, how wow. did I do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 did it, I, I ended it's up crazy. moving to New York when I was 18, and I barely handled it then. Oh, there you go. I, I couldn't have done it when I was any younger than that. <laughs> Uh, but I had a quick question. Since uh, you're, you're, you've stumbled into the voice acting world, have you gone back to theater? Is it still something you, you uh, frequent? It's not something I frequent, but I did go back. I did. Um, I, I, uh, I have an amazing story. Please. I, moved, I moved back to New York in 2000. I lived in L.A. from like 85 till about 2000. And then I still had a, an apartment in New York and I would commute back and, you know, see people and i did a play on broadway called eastern standard that i was really proud of but um i was based in la mm -hmm. i, I kind of gave up on la in 2000 because um it's a strange town mm -hmm. you know people live in their cars and they go from their house to their car to the gym to the car to the store to the car to the office to the car and you never meet people there's it's it can be a very isolating place so I was really happy to move back to New York, uh, where I was much more comfortable because I'm a, I'm a more of a city person. Gotcha. And uh, the first thing I did when I got back was Arthur Miller's last play, and I worked with Arthur Miller. Oh my gosh, that's How amazing! amazing. Shit. That's amazing. How amazing! Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? It was a play called The Last Yankee. Oh, and I played the last Yankee. I played the character who was this sort of last of a family and he's a blue collar worker and he feels like a failure in life. And he's, he's struggling with his wife who's going through depression to, to make her want to live. It's a beautiful story mm -hmm. uh, of a young, a young, a young couple um, going through crisis. And the director was a very famous theater director named Joseph Chaikin. And Joe Chaikin ran the open theater back in the 60s in New York, and he's kind of a legend. Yeah. But by the time I worked, he had had a stroke. And so he had aphasia, and he oh, couldn't wow. talk. So he was communicating through sort of notes and, and hand signals. And he had an assistant who would interpret what he meant. Um, this was very frustrating to work with and difficult to work with. So <laughs> Arthur um, ended up sitting in on all the rehearsals and basically guiding us through the rehearsal process because he never directed his own plays. Oh, really? So yeah. I was working with him. That's awesome. And his wow. wife, Inga Marath, who was also a famous uh, photographer from Germany, uh, would sit in on all the rehearsals. And it was just an amazing experience. And to be back on stage in New York and to feel the lights come up on me again and that safe space that the stage felt like it, I was just, it was a very emotional experience. Oh man. You've yeah. had uh, quite the experience of life kind of bumping into the right people at the right times. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 
it's magic. It's that like it, what what I'm, I'm what I'm loving about this is I'm hearing the magic in your voice. Like you're still kind of like, how in the hell did this happen? <laughs> and, and I and I love it. I mean, it's it's really cool that you, after so many years of doing a certain character, and like you were saying, you were like, how am I recognized by just my voice and the the magic of that in itself? But it's like, it's so cool to hear that you appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm very appreciative. I'm very very appreciative. Believe me, because. You know, I've had dark moments in my life. I've had periods where I, I didn't know, you know, when the next job was going to come and really scared. And so I am very, very, very appreciative of uh, how things have turned out. And you're, and you're continuing Batman still as, as we go. <laughs> right. Yeah. And well, I was, I was curious. Um, I don't know if you're, cause you mentioned you're working on a different character. Um, was there, do you feel like there was a, uh, storyline or a, a part of the Batman character that you feel like you haven't explored quite yet or that you would want to explore further? Like, like kind of like a you dream like storyline story or something like that, something like that, or My favorite storylines have been the ones that deal with, um, that, that, that send him back to the original, um, tragedy that formed him the the place where personality split Mm -hmm. um i love the ones because because that's what makes the character so interesting to me and makes him so complicated to me Mm -hmm. and that's what the audience really relates to is is the tragedy of him and the and the um so you know the love interest stories are fun you know the adrian beaumont from mask of the phantasm it's tom's favorite (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the flirting with uh, Catwoman, you know, all this stuff, or Harley Quinn in the latest Harley Quinn movie, all these things are fun. But anything that gets into his psychology, I think, is the, are the ones that I love to play the most. Yeah. So, like, in, Ma- in Mask of the Phantasm, actually, there's a scene where he falls in love, and he yeah. realizes what love is, and it's, it's what life is about. It's what we are here to do, is to love. And he realizes he's been missing this and he goes to his parents' grave and he asks them to release him from his vow, to release him from his pledge to avenge their deaths and to let him lead a normal life. And he breaks down at this grave and he's crying. It's and he's raining, pleading, all of it. Yeah. And pleading with them to let him go. And just at that moment, the, the, the earth opens up in a huge flock of bats come screeching out from under Wayne Manor and he feels his fate pulling him back down and he knows he can never escape his fate. It's such a beautiful oh my scene. God. Yeah. His heart is so open. Um, I remember so well the day I recorded that scene, Andrea came into the booth and she never comes into the booth. She always stays in the, in the other side of the glass. And she came in and she just helped me. And she said, that was absolutely beautiful. Mm. That, that, was, oh, that was performance. And, and I just, you know, I'm an actor. I love to give a good performance. So um, I, I loved recording that. And, and also there was a story, um, Perchance to Dream, when, when Batman is drugged and he goes back into his youth and he's, he's struggling with his father. And I played Batman Bruce Wayne, drugged Batman. <laughs> teenage Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne, the father. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I was playing five characters. They all had to be distinct. 
but they all had to be believably related. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun to report. Oh, you really got to play on that one. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just fun when you're challenged. Um, Those are the storylines I love to do the most. That's so cool. That's excellent. I'm glad you brought up that scene. That's actually a, a, a talking point for Tom and I. Quite often we'll talk about that scene specifically from that movie. Um, as much as uh, we probably want to talk about Batman, we do want to get into other topics that you're pretty mm-hmm. passionate about as well. Speaking of... Um, uh, I heard that you were passionate about Veterans Affairs. <laughs> yeah, I I, um, yeah, I grew up... Uh, I, I'm older than I look. I like to tell people. <laughs> I, I like to tell people before. I, I say, I grew up in the Vietnam era. And uh, I missed the draft by like one year. I mean, the year oh, I... Wow. The year I turned draftable age was the year they started the uh, volunteer army. And all through high school, I was thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because by then, everyone knew the war was, was a disaster. You know, it, yeah. was, it was so late in, in, the, in the conflict. People were coming back so damaged. And these guys came back and they just got, they just got crap by, by the public. They, they got really mistreated oh, yeah. uh, and it was horrible to watch and um my brother is a uh, disabled vet mm. and uh, so i deal with the west haven va a lot in connecticut um okay. where my brother gets um treatment and um i'm there a lot and and i see what's happened and i it's heartbreaking and to know that like something like 25 percent of the homeless in this country are veterans Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, so like just last weekend, I was part of a crew that was helping build, um, houses, um, homes for vets it's called. And if anyone wants to go to my website at real Kevin Conroy on Twitter, real Kevin, real Kevin Conroy on Twitter, um, they can see a link to, uh, making a donation to homes for vets, uh, organization that builds homes, literally. Um, for veterans to live in. It's a whole community being built. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of actors got together last weekend. I was there with Dietrich Bader. We, we called oh, yeah. us, we were the Batman crew. And, <laughs> you guys love your yep. tools, right? <laughs> yeah, we love our tools. So we were doing that together. But also I got into it more, I did a series called Tour of Duty back in the 80s. It was the first Vietnam show on television. Oh, wow. And I used to do a lot of appearances for the Vietnam Veterans of America uh, on weekends off. And I'd fly to different cities and do appearances with VVA groups. And man, the damage a lot of these people were walking through life with was, was extraordinary. Yeah. So I just think um, we can't do enough for people who've been through all that. Yeah, absolutely. I, agree. It's, I definitely agree as my, my dad is a vet as well. So I, it, I, it's amazing what happens and what doesn't happen. Yeah. In terms for, for veterans. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that link too. That was actually a follow-up question. Yeah, we, it, well, besides that, is there any other way, you know, that our listeners can reach out, get involved, um, that we can get involved? Um, well, it's, it's called homes for vets and, um, homes, the, the number four and then vets. Mm. Oh, good. Um, okay. and it's, uh, they've got their own, you know, website and stuff like that. Cool. If anyone wants to make donations, uh, that it's always appreciated. We'll put a link uh, on our social medias when we all put it when we upload this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, and hopefully we can use uh, we can actually make a show donation ourselves. So I think moving moving quite along actually yeah. right into uh, uh, Les Enfants du Paradis, right? <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow! You, you guys asked what my favorite movies were, and that that was just one that 
that just so affected me when I was young. Really? First time I saw it. It's such a beautiful movie. Do you remember how old you were when you watched it? Oh, God, the first time I saw it, I may have been like, I was probably about 14. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just blew me away that that moment. I mean, when when she screams at, at towards the end of it is oh, yeah. so breathtaking. And also when you realize when that movie was made mm -hmm. and, and how it was made, yeah. It was yeah. made on occupation in Vichy, France, when none of the actors could get jobs anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. See, he, Jewish actors on that set in the cast. Yeah. And kids like Jewish wardrobe people in their wardrobe people. I mean, it was all done under the Germans' noses in occupied France. Everything about that movie is extraordinary. It's fascinating. I was reading up on it myself, and not only did they hide people within the cast, but half of the extras were also pro-Nazi supporters. And so they had to keep this kind of secretive thing going on in order for the movie to be made. Yeah, because they had people hidden that were from the French resistance. And mm -hmm. so you had people that weren't friends yeah. working together, but nobody really knew yeah. what was going on. Um, Everything in that movie, I think, is just so breathtaking. And yeah. the fact that it was made at all, it's and huge. it's such a beautiful work of art. And you know that moment towards it's at the end when she screams his name? I mean, it's just, your heart breaks. Oh, yeah. For those of you who might not be aware at home, uh, we're talking about Children of Paradise. Oh, yeah. That would be the English title, yeah. 40s movie. Yeah, um, Criterion Collection, Janice film. Yeah. Uh, Romanticizes the theater quite a bit, actually. Which yeah. is kind of yes, it does. It's about a theater group. Yes, yeah. it does. It, um, it was the uh, French uh, answer to Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was funny that you we saw that in like, oh, something that we could talk about, mainly because it totally threw me back to film school. And <laughs> I literally saw like, comments from Bazin and Francis Truffaut and I was like oh my god these are the guys that I studied and then <laughs> Cahiers du Cinema I was like oh my god like am I back in school again but uh, <laughs> uh, I'll be honest I the, it was my first time watching it just so we can talk about it because you know I want to talk about it with you um it is a purely breathtaking film like the production like to make it and a funny thing that like me and Corey have been sharing and talking about, it's like it was probably all made without walkie-talkies and like oh, yeah. the technology <laughs> like that was necessary to make it now versus like just the practicals in, in oh, necessary to make that. The logistics of it. It's it's absolutely crazy. And and the fact that it's about a theater group, you know, it was probably done as a theater group, you know, oh, yeah. but mm -hmm. it, on the stage with you know, in the in the in the most crude technique imaginable. Oh, in yeah. terms of cameras and lighting and stuff like that. Well, they had to move the sets every night to different locations, which I thought yeah. was fascinating. And like yeah. two of the major crew members, like the composer and I think set the designer. and the set designer, they had they were Jewish, and so they had to everything that they came up with, they had to share and not take credit for and not take credit yeah. for until they, after they all the did war. Pseudonyms, yeah. I think the French names uh, yeah. rather than names, oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's uh, if those of you playing the home game, listening, do yourself a favor, check it out. You can actually watch the whole thing on YouTube, which is how I I did it. Oh, wow. um, but it's available on iTunes, all that iTunes. kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I think on iTunes they have it like remastered and stuff like that too. So like it's it's awesome to watch it. And and I you know they they say you you we mentioned the word crude and like you know like but it 
it just takes imagine like the 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 manpower and the precise need oh, yeah. movements for like when people are moving towards in front like in front of the camera and everything like that. I just imagine it now and I don't like use a steady camera or anything. It's like, man, these yeah. guys were moving giant machines and they Tom- made it look so well. <laughs> Tom and I run a, a little web series. We had a shoot over the last three days of Slack's last weekend. We were complaining about some of the difficulties and then we kept turning to each other, like, you know what? In the 40s, they didn't have any of this. <laughs> We're shooting on DSLRs and being like, but it doesn't look crisp. Like, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's like the version that we're seeing now. I um, read that Marcel, he had three copies printed. Oh, yeah. And he had them stored throughout the country just in case. Because, I mean, the, the Nazis were... Know what happened. They didn't know what was going well, to happen. they had banned movies over a certain time limit. Yeah. This yeah. runs at three hours. Yeah, so they, they had to make a cut that was about an hour they, long. They did it in two parts. They did uh, an hour and a half and then another hour and a half and they combined them. Yeah. And the Nazis didn't realize what these people were making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They yeah. made it under their noses. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to <laughs> <Yeah>. see. <laughs> it's the normal everyday festival. I, Don't I, worry about it. I know that there's like a documentary of the making of the Yeah, film. Once Upon a Time, Children of Paradise. I, I just, oh, I want to watch it. Yeah, but there's a documentary. Wouldn't it be super dope if there was like a theatrical version of like how it was made? Like kind of like an Argo, you know, like a oh, under yeah. the cover kind of thing of a production being made under this. Oh, a know. movie about the production? That, like that'd a, be, I think that'd be, that's the thing. That's where the drama is, you know, like, oh, they made this great movie that, you know, was a huge success. But the story of how it was made is a story within itself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I know someone who was working on a script about that. Really? That was like 20 years ago. And I never heard anything (laughs) happening with it. It'd be fascinating. I would. I think people would dig it because, I mean, it's we we always ask um, each other in the room and we ask our guests like, you know, what's your favorite moment? But when I was thinking about that question, I was like, yeah, I can think of like the Baptiste scene when he's through pantomime explaining who robbed, um, who robbed uh, Garance. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, the, the, my favorite moment is just the whole, is the production of the film yeah. and yeah. what they had to go against. It, it really was a statement of what was going on in the world at that time. And they persevered and they were like, no, we're going to make this movie. And none of you have to know about it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I watching the film. I you know like I, it was hard to 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 separate myself from like the the socio political um like culture that was going on when the film was being made. But well, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. It's hard to watch it now without putting it in context of its time mm-hmm. and thinking about how was this made? Yeah, and under conditions and. 100%. And how they were hiding Jews within the company. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything about it is fascinating. Um, but just watching purely for the narrative, uh-huh. I'll, I'll just say my heart was being torn to bits and pieces. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. like all Great this love story, exactly all this unrequited love. I was like, oh my god, someone loves somebody, please. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know. It, was, it was, it was, it was just rough. Like I was watching it, and I was like, my god, like and. And, you know, spoilers for everyone at home. I mean, I don't think it's really spoilers. It's over, like, you know, it's, 80 it's, years old. Yeah. Um, but, like, no one kind of has a happy ending. No. But, I mean, no. I think that that's something that an American audience wouldn't... They'd have trouble. You know, I had trouble with it. But then a, a massive American audiences have trouble without having something that's, like, tightly knit up. Um, that doesn't have, like, a Hollywood, quote-unquote... Hollywood ending. ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it shows that in that time frame that... Sometimes, you know, like emotions are happening during uh, a radical time. And 
people kind of are are left wandering the entire time looking for something that they had but you know can't really capture it kind of like which is very batman yeah <laughs> bringing it back wow <laughs> wow well it's kind of i when i was watching it at the end i was i watched um gone with the wind like a few years ago for the first time mm-hmm. and i got to the end and i went really <laughs> really <laughs> i like i went fetal on the ground because i'm just like it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah, that is sad. Like Batman. <laughs> like Batman. <laughs> um, but Kevin, do you have a, I mean, you said this is one of your favorite, favorite movies, but I mean, do you have like a favorite character in this film? We always ask that question typically of our movies. No, not really. Oh. Is it no. kind of like everyone? It's like the whole I love that. world yeah. of movie. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. so incredible. Everything in and everything out of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Everything about it is just so beautiful. So I I asked what your favorite movies are, and you this one was your first choice. We're not going to talk about your second choice, but I'm really curious of what your second choice or is. Or third or fourth or fifth. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know. No, too many to choose from. I'm are the you... same way. I got like one, and then the rest of them are just like, I like movies. I like... Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah, it's all good. It's hard to pick. It's it's really hard. I'm happy with that one. I yeah. I had never seen it before, uh, learning about this interview. Uh, so I I had watched it, and I it is now one of my open my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. Oh yeah. I ended up actually I bought it on iTunes after I had watched it on YouTube so that I could see the restored collection and you know all the extras and stuff like that. Oh, I'm glad you got yeah. exposed to that. Absolutely. It, so thank isn't you. Isn't it incredible? Oh, I mean, it's God. amazing. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of like I I Lawrence of Arabia, Citizen Kane, and stuff like that, and it really kind of fit in with with that mold for me. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. love you know for some reason I would love after the episode that you know like you just reach out like hey watch this one too. It's like hey Kevin Conroy's picks, Kevin's list, <laughs> <laughs> the employee picks. Yeah. <laughs> lately, uh, lately I've been on a Netflix binge. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, what what are you watching right now? Streaming. Yeah. Uh, I just finished. Uh, the Killing. Ooh, yummy. It's, it's super fantastic. Good. Yeah. Adding it's that fan- to my Kevin list right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, I, I had a question for you, um, I guess, to kind of uh, heading towards the end of the show here. Um, I'm very curious to know if you have a favorite line that you've uh, stated or, you know, did for an episode or for a movie for uh, one of Batman's lines. Stuck with him. Uh, stuck with him. And if you wouldn't mind uh, for our audience uh, reciting that line as Batman. Oh, God. He's going to monologue. <laughs> no, if you warned me before, I would have looked something up. Yeah. No, that's okay. I have a terrible memory for these things. <laughs> that's all right. You know, the iconic line is, you know, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Perfect. I think I think that's the one we were hoping Mm, for. (laughs) Just made my uh, heart just kind of leap out just a tiny. Okay, a lot. It leaped out (laughs) a lot. Okay. Um, Wow. I I I had had one last last question question before we wrap it up here. We're going to keep doing this, Kevin. We're going to keep having one last question. question. One last question. One last question. Um, But seriously, this might be the last question. Um, There, there's been some popular demand on Twitter lately about like bringing back some of these older shows. I know for me, I would love to see Batman the Animated Series with Bruce Tim and Jerry Romano. You know, the, yeah, we're the big Bruce Tim ha- fans over The happy too. gang back. Yeah. Um, but I also saw that there's a bit of like a resurgence for people wanting like a third season for Justice. Or I guess we'd say like 
two more seasons of another Justice League? You know, there's Justice League One and then Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, there's been an online petition to bring back the original Justice League. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, be really fun, and I know all the actors involved have committed to doing it if, if the studio ever put in the order. But. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. They'd be crazy not to. At uh, out of the two, I, I mean, okay, and so for me, I, I absolutely loved Batman, Begin- uh, Batman Beyond. Uh, absolutely. Um, but if there could be one that you'd want to pick, which one would be Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, or Batman Beyond? I have a soft spot for Batman the Animated Series. Okay. Because so do we all. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just characters are so amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, it was lightning. That show was, I mean, it's it's the show that I and many people I know hold all animated shows to, to this day. As a standard. Yeah. And I think the great thing about it that we, we've talked about it. I don't know if you're aware. We've talked about it on previous episodes. But like it was a show that like one was W being animated. But then like it's typically for kids and there's toys. But adults loved it as well. And we as like it was grown a show for adults. for all audiences. We could well, you know, it was originally a primetime show. Oh, oh, I did not know the that. The first season, Fox had it on primetime. Oh. Interesting. In 93. Not know that. And and then it went to uh, afternoon because there was a, I don't know, there was something about Fox and WB. It went to the WB network. You know, it was a time when the the, the television was splintering. Mm. And um, so it started on Fox in the evenings. And then WB took it back and put it on WB or something in the afternoons. But um, it, it was designed to be an adult show. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Well, you know, Bruce Timm was is kind of like a genius. He's 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 a, he's he's a possessed character. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's always thinking. Yeah. He's mm. always thinking, and you can't get anything by him. Um, performances, <laughs> you know, he will. He he knows exactly what he wants, and um, and he'll get it out of you. Yeah. So you're saying he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I think when he's creating the shows, he plays all the characters in his head. Mm, so uh, he knows what he wants it to sound like. That's awesome. Uh, that's really cool. He's a very, very... But, but everyone involved in the oh, creation yeah. of the show, um, all the actors, all the writers, all the producers, um, Alan Burnett, mm-hmm. the executive producer, um, a, a woman named Jean McCready, who used to be the head of Warner Animation at the time, um, everyone were so committed to that show and took it so seriously. And I know that, you know, in the general um, middle America, there's a sense that there's a Hollywood kind of um, elite or a Hollywood like uh, um doesn't take America as seriously or something. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be more wrong. Um, in my experience at Warner Animation, there was such respect there for the audience and such respect for um, the characters in in the shows they're creating. They never felt they were writing down to the audience. They never felt they were... Um, they always felt like they were writing up to the audience. I like that. That's that's something I've said about the animated series itself is it didn't it wasn't afraid to touch on 
the more mature subject matter in a way that was appropriate for both kids and adults and everyone could kind of yeah. dive into and treat them, you know, absolutely. they didn't treat kids like idiots. No. And they didn't treat, they didn't ever talk down to the audience. Yeah. And, um, they took their jobs very, very seriously. And, um, there was an enormous amount of work that went into it. You know, they doubled the budget, Warner Brothers. They, they, they spent twice as much per half hour as had previously been spent. Makes sense. You know, a, a full symphony score? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, that just hadn't been done. It just hadn't been done. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those magic moments where all the right people stumble into each other and kind of come together to create something that's lasted like my that's, entire life has been defined exactly by that. Right. Batman's been exactly. defined by that show. So. And you don't know what's happening when you're in the middle of doing it. You're just kind of doing your job. Mm -hmm. You don't even realize that all these perfect cogs are in these wheels creating this beautiful machine until it's done. And you think, <laughs> oh, my God, what have I been a part of? This is amazing. <laughs> until you're going yeah. to cons and having and, people cry and hug you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I just, you know, thank you for your time today. Uh, we're going to wrap it up, wrap it up there. I can't, I, I don't think I can say thank you enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, before we, before we end, is there anything uh, you would like our audiences to check out or you the know, home find you on? Real Kevin Conroy. Anywhere else uh, you'd like real, to check real, out? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm Real Kevin Conroy and Facebook. And also I have a website, realkevinconroy.com. Uh, they can, they can hear some of my singing oh. oh man i had a question about that too let's ask it Let, I, yeah <laughs> yes i actually i had a question about that specifically did that come out of your love of singing did the writers know yes. that andrea knew that i loved ah, that's sing. perfect she knew that i sang oh and my god said, we have to have kevin sing and he said batman can't sing but he and could they <laughs> thought oh and that was bruce's genius is you know having it be him paying off a debt yeah, to Poison Ivy, and he has to do this, you know? It was wonderful. And, and then that, so, that choice of Am I Blue is just so perfect for the character. Oh, no. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I can't believe I almost forgot that question. That was like, the, <laughs> I walked in here today, and I was like, guys, I have one question I want to ask. I don't care if we ask anything else, just that. But uh, thank you for letting us take up uh, a majority of sure. your evening. Yeah. Sure. Um, everybody at I home. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, more information can be found out about the show at nerdonthepodcast.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at we're not wearing hockey pads. Oh, yeah. my God. I had God. to do it. Really? I, almost, I almost forgot. Yeah. The last. Okay. As You're always. Ants? <laughs> <laughs> Never when I record. <laughs> Never wears pants. It's so weird. So weird. Kevin, you've been a pleasure. Great. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you for making our nights. As always. Nerd, nerd on. on. Broadcast.